in and through us. Um, I knew we were going to be small in number. And um, our leaders probably will know where I'm coming from. I knew we were going to be small in number, but I knew that the number that would be here, this would be for them. Um, first, I want to give honor to God, um, to my husband, Pastor Mills. Um, everybody knows he's the world's finest chocolate. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. I give honor to our spiritual covering, our parents, Apostle Jeremiah and Pastor Tiffany. Let's clap for them in their absence, in their wonderful absence, not just their absence, their wonderful absence. Um, and I thank you for everyone who's here and everyone who may not be here. Um, for whatever the reason, I thank God from our church family, our community of believers. Um, of course, we perfectly continue. You can have a seat. And I'll, I'll have you stand when I go over this scripture. We prophetically, continuously declare that our next is now. We know that our next is right now. Um, and soberly, as I stand before you as a family sector of believers here in our area, I, I truly believe that we have no real, true inclination, depiction, or what's actually of what's actually taking place amongst us i don't think we fully comprehend what's going on the bible says in all thy getting get an understanding and um it's very important that we understand what's taking place in our midst amongst us um and it is sobering sobering because if you haven't gotten prepared for what's going on, it's too late to get prepared. We're now in a place where if you haven't packed, you can't pack right now. You're going to have to go in what you got on. And that's where we are. Whatever you're wearing, it's time to go. So you're going to have to purchase some things when we get there. We're still going to take you, but it's time to go. We can no longer sit and wait because we're in the now. And I don't believe that some of us understand that. I believe because we've been dancing and shouting and singing and worshiping that it has masked the fact that we're moving. We've been continuously moving for the last five years. Like every six months, there's a new move. We're in a new move again. And people are missing it. People are missing the shift. There's a change taking place in our midst, and we don't fully comprehend what's happening. So they sung the song, Let Me Prove You Live With My Living. I'll be a living sacrifice. And that song fits what the Lord is saying to us. Um, us as a church, it's not going to be the same anymore. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that everything that was spoken over our house for the last decade has happened within the last six months. That means all of us are a part of that. We look at Apostle and Pastor Tiffany, and we think that those declarations were for them. But those declarations were for us, too. As they transition... They're no longer waiting on us to transition. God's not allowing us to incarcerate their purpose. And so at this point, we're going to either have to, what they say, put up or shut up. They're no longer in the state of pause because we can't grow up. They're gone. It's like leaving your teenagers at the house and you go to work. You know how that first time you leave them, okay, you give them all these instructions. Okay, then you start leaving them more. Then you start leaving them more, and then all of a sudden, they're adults. We have been prepared for this. And we have to act like we've been prepared for this. They did not leave us without instruction. They did not lead up, leave us without food in the refrigerator. They did not leave us empty. But we do not behave as if we're full. They cannot be the only ones proving to the people that God lives. We have to be living sacrifices too. 
We can't just cheer them on anymore. It's, it's not just about them. It's about us now, too. And we've been put in position to prosper. We've been put in a position where we don't have to even think about what to do next. Our next has been given to us. It's an easy thing. And we're included. And um, I just caution us not to mourn for the former things. Because in the midst of transition, things, sometimes things end up dying. And we can't mourn for those things. We can't cry over the fact that there will be many of us that thought we were going to have a life of traveling and vacationing. We can't cry over the fact that we have not been called to do that. We cannot mourn over the fact that we can't do what we want when we want. We cannot grieve the assignments some of us have entered into. There are assignments placed on everyone's life, and some of your assignments are coming to a head right now. And there are times where the enemy will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is too much, and it's not. It's not too much. The reason why it becomes too much is because you have other desires outside of the will of God, and we're in a now that you have to put the will of God above your will. What you thought your life was going to look like is not what God ordained your life to look like, and you cannot mourn over that because the more you mourn, the less you move. And that's where we are. We're at a peop- we, we have a people who became so personality-driven that they didn't realize that we're worshiping a God that sits in each and every one of us. Hence why the seats are more empty. This is not about us. This is about God. And he prepared us for this. It's not like he came out the sky and we're, we're straight up out the hood, out the streets and say, hey, I need you to lay all that down and surrender, although he has done that. He has done that to people. He didn't do that to us. He gave us a season. We've had a season where we could go where we wanted, do what we wanted. That season over. Let me help y'all. That season is over. For those of you who know within your heart that God has called you to a great assignment now, I'm telling you, your season of resting, not doing anything, not wanting to do anything, not being here on time, that's over. It's time to grow up. All that's over. You are now being required to live at the level of your assignment. And you have to know that. And if you don't believe that this word is for you, guess what? It's not. If I'm not speaking to you, I'm not speaking to you. You take what you can get and move on. But for those of you who know that you're called to this, get ready. Be ready. We gone. That's it. The weight of the assignment and the level of influence and the authority that we have been given as a people and the shoes that we've been required to fulfill or feel and walk in, it requires a deeper level of commitment, a deeper level of submission, a deeper level of devotion. And you all need to know that. It, it comes a point in your walk with God where when something comes on the calendar outside of the church realm, you're like, God, do I need to take, do I need to do this? That's your first question. Your first question is, should I be going here this weekend? That's your first question to God. Your first question is no longer, do we have enough money to do this? That's not a question anymore for you because you've been laid down. God, have you caught, is this something you want me to do this weekend? Are you going to get the glory out of my presence being here this weekend? That's your first question. It's no longer, oh, we got the money, so we're going to go another level. We're not at the same level anymore. Many of you are called to be pillars in this house right here. And if you're not here, if you miss a pillar, the house cannot stand or you put more weight on the other pillars. And if multiple pillars are missing, the house will surely fall. And the house is not going to fall. Because y'all going to stand strong. So don't let your emotions make you miss this thing. Don't let your emotions make you miss this transition.
I'm not saying that you're not going to have questions. Don't let your emotions make you miss this transition. Just follow instruction. And I'm not saying it's going to feel good because flesh. Don't let your emotions make you miss this transition. So when I was speaking to someone earlier this week, I was talking to them. And during the conversation, you know how while you're talking to people, your mind, you still like have things going on in your spirit. Some of us do that. Some of us don't. And that's fine. But when I'm talking to people, my spirit man still talks to me. So that's why I zone out sometimes. I'm like, oh, you talking, but uh, somebody else is talking right now. And while they were talking, God spoke to me and he said, well, Danielle, to be or not to be. And I know that came from Shakespeare's Hamlet, any of you who read it. But sometimes he'll use what you're familiar with or something that you can reverence to speak to you. So he kept saying that. He said, well, to be or not to be. You have a decision. That is the question. To be or not to be. That's the decision. That's the crossroads some of us are at. So that's my question for us today as I um, get the scripture up. My question for us is to be or not to be. Because now we have access and grace, which is the divine ability to be that which we were always meant to be. Before the foundation of the world, we have access to be a light in dark places and access to be Christ's image in this earth. And so the question is to be or not to be. It's no longer can I. It's no longer should I. It's will you to be or not to be. So we're going to go to Mark 11 and um, we're going to start at verse 12 through 14. Then we're going to jump to 20 through 23. And y'all can stand for the reading of the word. As y'all stand, we're going to pray. Father God, I thank you and I bless your name, O God, for who you are. And each and every one of us, I thank you, O God, that you are the God that knows our end from our beginning. And I thank you, O God, for everything you have prepared for us in between to ensure we get to that expected end. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark 11, verse 12, and it reads, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Jump down to verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. All right. Turn with me to Matthew 25, and we're going to read verse 35 only. For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. All right, you may be seated. So upon studying these verses, I first saw the immediate meanings of Jesus' cursing the fig tree. Um, Of course, this is something that many of us are familiar with. Our apostle actually taught on this not long ago. um, And I just felt the need to reiterate it and bring some things out that God showed me. Um, One of the meanings were simply the power of words. Remembering that we have a language that we've been given that we must use. How not only can we speak life, but we can kill a thing too. Um, We can kill with our words. And this is something... 
we have been taught many times, and it is a kingdom concept that reigns tried and true. Our words will shape our world. In this case, Jesus curses the fig tree and tells the tree, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. The very next day, that very tree was dead. Now, one thing I thought was Jesus never told the tree to die. He never said, tree, you are going to wither up and die. He never said that. But what he did say was, no one will eat from you again. It's at this point where I started reflecting on the words that I've spoken that could release death unknowingly. For example, sometimes you tell people, you know what, you ain't never going to change. You always going to be like this. Not understanding that we did not kill them, but that released death. Saying, you know, things never going to get better. Well, I'm always going to be like this. Releasing death. Saying, I'm tired of this. This makes me sick. Releasing death. Although you're not saying die, you still released it through the words that you spoke. And just like this freak tree, if you never, if you release words upon people, such as you're never, you're never going to change. You're always going to be like this. I tried and tried to change you. I, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed that God would change you. That's death. Because what we have come to understand is our identity is already in us. So you don't have to change people. They just have to come to themselves. But like this fig tree, if you never fulfill the purpose that God created you for, what's the point of existing? Why exist and not live? This fig tree was in existence. You could physically see it. It was there, but it wasn't living because it wasn't producing the purpose in which God created it for. That's why I pose the question, to be or not to be. Jesus saw it as a fig tree. If you come to a tree and it's a fruit-bearing tree, Sometimes us that are not people who garden a lot or we don't know for sure what that tree is, we can only tell what that tree is by the fruit it bears. Jesus knew what the tree was, but nobody else probably knew because it didn't bear any figs. That speaks to us as believers. We can know who we are, but if we don't bear the fruit of who we are, what good are we if we don't produce? It's just like in Lincoln Heritage. The numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. If you're not producing, that's because you're not working. In verses to follow, verse 20 through 22 through 25, Jesus exhorts them to pray in faith while forgiving. It wasn't but a few verses in between, and that's when he was traveling. But right after they noticed that tree was dead, in the same section of Scripture, Jesus begins teaching them about praying in faith. He begins to tell them that the matter of existing in life lies in prayer and faith. That's the difference. Whether you exist or you live, the connection between the two is prayer and faith, right? A major interruption of answered prayer and faith is unforgiveness. You may say, well, what does prayer, faith, and even the mention of unforgiveness have to do with this cursed fig tree? And as I was studying, I realized that this cursed fig tree is a depiction of an unforgiving child of God, a prayerless child of God, and a faithless child of God, a passionless child of God, a non-devoted child of God. But make no mistake, it was still a child of God, for he created all living things. He might not have been the son yet, but he was definitely a child. So this fig tree didn't have a connection. Y'all know what we're talking about, vine the branch. This fig tree didn't know its purpose. This fig tree didn't recognize Christ. This particular fig tree had an excuse of why it wasn't producing with what it could have produced in Christ's presence. When Christ approached the fig tree, Believe it or not, the fig tree could hear, so it had ears to hear. That's why it, it listened to the command of Christ. The fig tree had ears to hear. 
So if the fig tree had ears to hear, it had eyes to see. So when Jesus approached the fig tree, immediately the fig tree could have produced in Jesus' presence, but it didn't. It had an excuse of why it did not produce. And the fig tree represents some of us. The fig tree is mentioned over 40 times in the scripture, over 40 times. And I realized that the qualities that the fig tree speaks of is really prophetic in nature. We got a fig tree that spoke of over 40 times. We have the olive tree that spoke of over hundreds of times. We have the um, vine. It's, trees are depictions of us people in the scripture. If, if you didn't know that while reading the scripture, you can now replace. Anytime he says a tree, you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You are... Laura, you're a tree planted by the rivers of water. You can now replace that with your name. So fig trees, I thought about fig trees, and I'm like, God, what are you saying about these fig trees, and how can we apply it to our lives? Fig trees have the ability to produce fruit year-round. They have the ability to produce fruit year-round by their nature. In their nature, no matter what's happening, they can produce fruit. They have the ability to produce fruit during rough times, tough times, cold, um, heat. They can produce fruit at all times. This particular fig tree had an excuse that the time was not yet for figs because it had adapted to its environment. When Jesus came to that fig tree, it was in a certain place. In the place where it was in, it told it when to produce and told it when it couldn't produce. So at that time, the fig tree allowed its environment to tell it, it's not time for you to produce figs yet. And so I'm like, well, God, you knew, you, you knew it's, it's clear, it's written the time of figs was not yet, but yet you still required that fig tree to produce. He knew that approaching that fig tree at that particular time in that particular environment that figs did not usually grow, but yet he cursed it anyway. He knows that your home life ain't what people could say they could live in and still praise God. He knows that. But yet he requires you to produce fruit anyway. He requires you to operate in joy no matter what your home life looks like. He requires you to operate in peace no matter what your boss says. He requires you to, op you're supposed to bear these fruit no matter the environment. In the fig tree, like many of us, well, how can I with all this going on? My bills ain't paid. How can I walk in joy if my bills not paid? You're still required to walk in joy. Why? Because Jesus knew what he had given the fig tree. He knew he gave that fig tree the ability to produce year round, yet it still had an excuse of why it couldn't produce. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate us from the connection of God. Nothing. The word tells us in Romans 8, nothing can separate us. But yet we still come up with these excuses of why we can't thrive, why we can't give someone fruit off of our tree when we're in this situation. Some people feel like they can't thrive in our church. Your environment does not dictate what you bear. What you produce is not dictated by anyone around you. That's something that you have to look inward for. Within everything that that fig tree needed to produce at that moment was within, and Jesus knew that. He knew what that tree was capable of producing. You know we can sit up here all day and cry and pout. You know what you're capable of producing. You already know what God has put inside of you. Why aren't you producing to be or not to be? That's the real question. How many times have we gone in public with our bad attitudes, 
interacted with people out of frustration or stress and excused our rottenness because of what we were going through or because of the environment we're exposed to. We were created to produce at all times. We can bear this thing. Even in Jesus' presence, this fig tree wouldn't produce. Now, that's a problem. How many times are we exposed to the presence of God, leave here and go home, and still, we still have those same dispositions in God's presence? So, I looked at the fig tree a little deeper, and... um. um, Go to Judges 9 and 11 for me. Fig trees not only produce fruit, and they can produce it year-round, but they produce fruit that God considers good fruit. So it's not just any fruit. It's good fruit. And good fruit has a language, but I'm not going to go over that. But it is good fruit. Okay. So... The preface of this is, um, let, me, let me go over the preface of this. It won't take but 30 seconds, I pray. Um, if you read the verses up, it's, it's where the people try to put different trees. Remember, trees represent people. Different trees over a group of people. The people wanted certain trees to be over them. But the trees that were submitted and knew that God did not call them to that was like, no. So... It says, but the fig tree said, see, the fig tree can speak too. It can hear, it can speak, it can see. The fig tree said unto them, should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees? Now, I originally went to the scripture to show that God said this was good fruit. So y'all won't think, oh, she just preaching about any old kind of fruit. What about that fruit from the knowledge of good and evil? No, no, no. God said this was good fruit. But... Let's, we, we, let me go. This good fruit can be eaten entirely. You don't even have to peel a fig. You can eat it whole, but you can't eat it in an immature state. Your fig trees have to be in a mature state before you can actually take a bite out of it. So basically, if you eat an immature fig, you will get sick. to be or not to be. You can't feed people and make them sick. The fruit in its fully mature state has many benefits. It can be used as a waste management, ensuring you have proper bowel movements, and it regulates your digestive system. Any mess that's in you, once you take a bite of that fig, will come out. The benefits of a fig tree. You can look it up. Fig trees also regulate blood pressure. Fig trees also, when taken when mature, will make sure that your diabetes is under control. Figs have a lot of benefits. But figs don't look that good sometimes. They don't smell that good, although they're sweet when you finally taste them. There are people in our lives right now, in this place, that bear figs, fully mature figs. But we won't take a bite out of them. But oftentimes, those are the people that will help you clear your mess out. Those are the people. They might not look good. They may not smell all that good to you. But they bear the fruit of deliverance. They bear the fruit of healing. And oftentimes we don't release them or we don't want to be around them because they won't put up with our mess. The ones that seem to upset you or rub you wrong, make no mistake about it. God is using them to drive the mess out of you. Let them use them. It's going to be, if you just let, if you just be or not be, 
So this particular passage of scripture tells us that the fig tree was leafy. That means when Je- it says when Jesus saw the fig tree afar off, it was leafy. It was in full bloom. Like you see people who look like they arrived somewhere. Like, man, they got to have it going on. They got the car, the house. They, it had the facade as if it had something. So it was leafy. Jesus spotted it in the distance, something that could be seen afar off. And how fortunate is that to be somebody who looks like you can offer someone something, but you have nothing to offer but shade and a good look. How unfortunate was that? Because that's what this tree did. It looked good, but it could not be tasted. The fig tree shows us the importance of impartation versus exploitations. How dare this fig tree take on the look of a fig tree and not produce the true benefit of a fig tree? A tree that can stand but won't bend. Fruit make you bend. Without fruit, you cannot bend. You're just standing. How dare this fig tree trick us like that? A tree that can cover but can't feed. Oh, we see that every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. How can you cover? Oh, it's many scriptures where Jesus saw them sitting under the fig tree. How can you cover people but you can't feed them? And what I mean by feed is they they cannot take a bite out of your life. I'm not talking about someone who comes and gives you great swelling words because it matches the scripture. I'm talking about when you, if you peeked into their bedroom, if you peeked into their closet, you could take a bite out of their life and you would get victory from living the life that they live. How dare you cover people and not feed them? Fig tree. A fig tree that looks good, but ain't no weight on it. Ain't nothing but leaves. It's at this moment where God spoke to me, covering people, getting a title is not as important as being able to give someone a piece of who you are. If I can't give you a bite of my life and you get victory from the bite that I gave you, that is not as important as me being a pastor's wife. It has no bearing. If you can't mimic my life and experience joy, peace, meekness, and goodness all the days of your life, I have no right to cover you. I cannot cover you if I cannot bring you into who I am because who I am is who he is. Don't be so quick to want to cover people. If they take a body of your life and they go home and they mimic your life and they have to cry all night and they walking through the day stressed out, yelling at everybody, can't smile at nobody, manipulating people, don't do it. That is not what God called us to be. People need to be able to take a bite of who you are and experience victory when they go home. You should be able to take a bite out of my personality and go into a a strange situation and then you just start making jokes and they like, look at this, you should be crying. I took a bite out of Elder Danielle and nothing ain't that serious. You should be able to take a bite off of my life and when you mimic it, you experience victory. That's what we've been doing. We've been taking a bite out of Apostle Mary. We've been taking a bite out of Pastor Tiffany. We've been taking a bite out of one another when we see the fruit that you bear. And now we can experience victory. But many times, ain't nothing to eat. You talking, but you ain't saying nothing. You talking, but I see you go through bouts of depression. You talking, but you ain't consistent in worship. You talking, and all you care about is a platform. Let me. I don't want none of that. I don't want none of that. Why be a tree that can stand and won't bend? Oh, yeah, you here, but are you submitted? You standing. Every service, you pay your tithes, give your offering, and some of you don't do that. And that's the simple thing. I'm not going there, Elder Francine. I'm not going there. 
But it's not the time. It's not the time. People should be able to take a bite out of your life and bear the fruit of victory after they can mimic. If you can't say, do as I do, and you experience this, stop. Don't say nothing. Just continue to be until you can say, do as I do, and you experience this. My personal prayer life should be something that you can taste and see. My personal devotion, you should be able to taste and see. My personal submission, my submission to my husband, wife should be able to taste and see. My submission to the elders, people should be able to taste and see. My submission to the head usher, people should be able to taste and see. Because it's not really about titles. My submission to my beautician, people should be able to taste and see. If she tell me to make sure you wrap your head tonight, if I don't wrap my head the next day, you going to know it. People should be able to taste and see. It's not even, it's the, it's the simple things. There are times where I submit to my students. I submit to my disabled students. Yes, I do. When they say, Miss Mills, if you do this, I just ain't feeling this right now. <laughs> if you do all this in one day, I ain't going to, because they'll tell me, because we go over the calendar every morning. Every morning we go over our daily routine. This we doing at this time, this time, this time. And I have a few of them that say, I can't take it anymore. If you do all that at one time, can you please give me a break here? I submit to it, and guess what? My day is peaceful. I need a break right here, Miss Mills, because this right here, if you put this together, I don't know, my mind going to explode. I put a break right there. I submit to even my students. Why is it so important to bear fruit and stop thinking it's all about getting a position or a title? Because of that. No matter what your title is, you should submit. Now, I tell you what, now, if mom and dad say do something, you just do it. Okay? I don't want y'all to get confused like what other day y'all said. Y'all should submit to us. I did not, Facebook Live, I did not say that. If they tell us to do something, do it. That's the act of true submission because they will tell you to do something that did not fit what you thought you wanted to do. And when you submit to that, you will get some great benefits. So our first priority should never be to be on display. That's what this fig tree was. It was just on display. It should never be to be in the spotlight, to sound good or look good. Our first priority should be if our lives look like the life of Christ. Outside of these walls, I'm talking about on the outside. Because inside, we're here for about two, two and a half hours. We can, we can do what we do. But outside, does our look, life look like the life of Christ? Would God be pleased if God approached us as the fig tree and he needed something from us, even though he needs nothing, but he lives in all of us, and sometimes people will approach you, and they need something. Can they get something from you that they can live off of? That's the important question, to be or not to be. So... I thought about how God actually cursed that tree. That's sobering to me. He actually said, you know what? Since you won't produce, not even in my presence you won't produce. You just won't produce ever. And he's so merciful that he began to remind me of all the times that I was in that state. That's, how, that's the mercy of God when he reminds you of where you've been. And how he's given me opportunity after opportunity to be who he created me to be. He's done that for me. He's done that for you. And how there have been times where God have, I have went through seasons where I was cursed. I could not bear. I couldn't give anyone anything. I withered up in those seasons. I died spiritually in those seasons. And when God was dealing with me about his, how great his mercy is, he reminded me unto this, uh, of this scripture. And I thought about it, and I'm like, man, God just so good. 
all those times where I couldn't produce, all those times when I didn't bear fruit, all those times where who you created me to be, I act like I couldn't be. And you the one created me. And I, I put myself in situations where I'm withering and dying in seasons, and I'm a person that's not even subject to seasons anymore. The seasons don't affect me. My environment doesn't affect me, but yet I'm dying. And he declared this unto me, the reason why it is so, the reason why you can stand here after all those deaths, because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believed in me, though he was dead, yet shall he live. That's not just an afterlife scripture. That's a life scripture. That's for some of us. Some of us that know that we've been in places where, you know what, I can't help nobody. I can't help myself. I know people have said that. How can I help them and I can barely help myself? I am the resurrection. And the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I remember going through those seasons and wherever I was sitting at in this house, I remember a word going forth that would resurrect me back to who I was from the beginning. Never miss the beat. The mercy of God, where he will resurrect you to make you the person that you've always been and people will never know what you went through. The resurrection of God. So I thought about that and I was thinking, God, how good you are that even when we don't bear the fruit, there's still hope. Even when we look good, but don't have nothing good on us. He is still good in us. He still can resurrect us to our original estate. Life as we know it, guys, are being, is being altered drastically, not just for apostle and pastor, not just for pastor and me, not just for the elders of this house, not just for the leaders in training, but our lives are being altered. And many of us don't even know it because we're too caught up in our emotional dysfunctions and our ideologies and what we think should be going on. When the time to produce is now, we're in the harvest. And no more excuses. We're being required of now. I'm talking about from the babies on up now. All of us have produce to produce. We must feed the people. Not natural, but the spirit food that we have to bear. We bear the fruit of the spirit. And we're called to do that in this season, that God's house will be full. Not our house, God's house. God has a house. Some of us are in the house. Some of us are not. Some of us are in this house and not in God's house. God's house must be full. And we fill God's house by producing. We live that he may live through us. We show the world that he lives through our living. Let's close with Matthew 25, 35. For I was a hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. We reviewed this. Show of hands who remember this. Good. Oh, shucks now. Yes, Lord. The scripture says that and if you know anything, if you remember correctly when the I is actually Jesus speaking. Just like he went to that fig tree to get something to eat. Jesus said when he was hungry, he was expecting us to produce the fruit to feed. Jesus lives in our neighbors, the people who live next door to us. He expects us to feed them. 
the one who's in sin, the one who plays that music real loud, the one who has smell like marijuana, he expects us to feed them. Our children that won't surrender, he expects us to bear fruit to feed them. Instead of saying, do as I say, you can say, do as I do. Our co-workers, he expects us to feed them. Our spouses, he expects us to feed them. Our community, he expects us to feed them. Jesus is hungry in them. He's hungry for them. Can they come to you and get a bite to eat? That's the real question. Will you be able to produce what God created you to produce? I was at what I thought was a worship conference this weekend. It was not a worship conference, but that's okay because God still used it. Um, I asked God, did he want me to go? And he said, yeah, and now I know why. And the minister on the platform began to give a demonstration of something that God was actually showing me for weeks. And um, I'm going to put a pause right there. Sometimes people think they're the only one getting words for God. Me and um, Pastor Mills discussed this. You're not the only one God's speaking to about that. <laughs> okay? <laughs> God can speak to multiple people at the same time. He's God. <laughs> So, okay, let me help y'all. I was just praying, they must be peeped into my closet. No, God can speak to all of us, okay? So, he speaks to us, and there are times where the subject is the same. And what we call that in the church world is confirmation. So, I'm like, man, God confirmed that thing. So, while I was there, he reminded me of what he gave me. So, listen to this scenario. So, we won't be caught up in this. So, say I'm an orange seed, right? I am an orange seed. I have one orange. I didn't mean to do that, but that was, that's good. Okay. I'm the orange seed, and I have been planted by the Father. He planted me, the orange seed. That means oranges live in me. But I'm continuously on my knees while being planted because I'm under the dirt. Y'all remember this? I'm under the dirt crying, begging and pleading God. God, please make me an orange. I want to be an orange so bad for you, God. I want to bear that orange fruit so you can eat my oranges. Lord, deliver me. You are delivered. You are an orange. I planted you. Hold on. Can you imagine LeVar saying, Dad, please make me LeVar. I want to be LeVar so bad, Dad. Please. You are LeVar. God, please make me a fig tree. I like. I, I want to be a fig tree so bad. You are a fig tree. You bear figs. We don't have to beg God to be who he created us to be, but what we can do is thank God, I thank you that I'm an orange, and I thank you that I bear much oranges, and I thank you that you planted me in Florida where there are no winters. You don't have to bag that. Then we have the other end of the spectrum. I'm an orange seed. I'm an orange seed, y'all. Lord, make me an apple. I want to bear apples. I saw that apple tree standing over there, and it looked beautiful. It looked better than that orange tree. I want to be an apple, but you're an orange. To be or not to be, be who God created you to be. Own up to who you are. Be comfortable in the skin that you're in. You're an orange. God, I want to be an apostle, but you're a teacher. God, I want to be a pastor, but you're a minister. God, I want to be a preacher, but you're an evangelist. Be who you are. You can only bear who you are. You cannot be the apple if you're the orange. How are we going to get orange juice and everybody making apple juice? Some people drink OJ. What 
now, what if you're called to the orange juice drinkers, but because you want to look like an apple tree and you like the people who eat apples, I don't like them orange eaters. No matter how hard you cry, scream, you can print your doc, your degree or whatever you can print, your credentials online, you can go online, take a course, you can go to school, you can do all that. You can gain a congregation of 5,000 people, but at the end of the day, when you stand before God, he's going to require results from the orange he planted, not the apple that you thought you were. Be who God created you to be. It's okay. It's so you may be called to millionaires. You may be called to minister to people with money. I may be called to minister to the drunks on the side of the road. But guess what? God gets the glory. Be who he called you to be. It's not about the covering. It's about what you produce. The look of the thing doesn't matter. Many people are committing suicide in the ministry. And God knows I pray for their families. Be who God created you to be and you won't end up in these dysfunctional roles. If you can't bear the bearing of a pastor and you become a pastor, be who God created you to be. You may not be called to be number one. You may be called to be number four. But guess what? Number four has a purpose. There's a design in God's plan for all of us, but we have to be. We have to stop focusing so much on the, uh, the doing and what I can say to make myself, what can I, the platform, none of that matters to God. So I want to pray. I want to pray for us today as a family sector in, in this area. I want to pray that we will continue to just be that our focus won't go to the left and to the right, that our focus and our posture will continue to be, let me be, that I may feed his sheep. That the lifestyle that he requires of us, we surrender and submit to. I want to pray for that, and then I want to pray that As I enter into prayer, I thought about the scripture where, and I didn't write it down, so you can't pull it up, but Jesus said, um, Peter, if you love me, feed my, feed my lambs. And then he said, Peter, if you love me, no, nope, he, he said, he didn't even call him Peter. He called him Simon. He wouldn't even call him Peter when he was talking to him at this measure. He said, if you if you love me, feed my lambs. Then he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. And Peter was like, what you talking about, God? You know I love you. <laughs> he was like, well, feed. Can people eat off of you, Peter? And I can hear him saying that to us. GRC, do you love me? And we cry lots of times, yes, we love you, Lord. Especially during prison worship. Boy, we be in it. We love you, Lord. And he's saying, well, feed my, feed my babies. Do you produce fruit to feed them? And then he's saying, do you really love me? Do you really, really, really love me? Like, am I really first? You know how we sing, and I will seek first your kingdom. Am I really first? Are you willing to put me above all else? Are you willing to put my desires above yours? Are you willing to, to suffer for my name's sake? Are you, do you really love me? Are you willing to give up your time and your energy and your finances for me, for what I've called you to? Do you really love me? And, and oftentimes we cry, yes, yes, Lord, in our emotionals. We cry, yes, Lord. And then the next day you get a call to come to 5 a.m. prayer or you say, hey, we $100 short on something. Well, I don't know about that. Do you really love me? He tells us to feed the sheep. And we always, and usually in the church realm, we, we put that on the pastor. He was talking to us. When I go to work tomorrow, will I bear 
joy and peace that no matter what happens, my, my students and my assistants can take a bite off of me and remain calm. Last year when I, when I first went into the school system, I had um, two new students and they gave me a run for my money, y'all. They was a trip. And um, guy used a, a woman who, she, she would rub me. I would be like, goodness, Lord Jesus, when's she gonna move? Like, you know, she would literally rub me, but one day she said something. She, she, she bore a fig for me. She said, well, Minister Danielle. I said, yes, what do you need? She said, all this chaos going on right now, should that be? And I looked at her and I said, what you mean should that be? I can't help, you know, I've adapted to the environment I was put in. I can't help they acting like that. But should that be if you are who you are? And I looked at her and I said, you know what? It shouldn't. Every day from that day forward, I didn't have no problems out of them students. Not like the problems I was having, y'all. I'm talking about students where I would have to yell room clear and clear my classroom and they would throw desks. Those same students now come and sit and laugh and talk with me like they never had any mental issues. I gave them that fruit of peace. They can't help but to enter into a calm place when they come in my room. I developed that. I produced what God needed me to produce for their sake and mine. And now God gets the glory out of that. But she asked me that question. And you're being asked that question. Should it be like this? Shouldn't we be producing at such a level that people want to know? What is it that you do to stay calm all the time? What, why do you laugh so much? Where did that smile come from? Y'all must be got a lot of money because you don't never act like you want for anything. I want for no good thing because my God, nothing. He is faithful and he is just. You can raise your hands, and we, we're going to pray. We're going to pray as a corporate body. Father God, we thank you, and we bless your name, and we glorify you because you are good. You are good, and you are merciful. God, we thank you, God. Hallelujah. And we bless your name that everything, everything you've called us to be is already in us. We thank you, God, that we can bear the calling, that the assignment, hallelujah, that you've placed in our hands as a corporate body and as individuals. We thank you, oh God, that you have equipped us and strengthened us for this good work, oh God. And we will declare like Nehemiah that we won't come down from the wall. For we have a great work that we're called to. We are submitted individuals, oh God, hallelujah, Jesus. Submitted to your will and to your way, oh God. And we thank you and we just bless you name, oh God, for who you have created us to be. We thank you that we're glorious, oh God. We thank you, God, that we are your remnant. We thank you, oh God, that we carry and release revival. We thank you, oh God, that we are a kingdom community of believers, oh God, that trust and depend totally on you, God. We magnify your name, oh God, for you have been so good. Hallelujah, God, you've been so merciful, God. Even in the state where we weren't producing, oh God, you still resurrected directed us, oh God, and have caused us to live, God. We bless your name, oh God, because how wonderful you are, how you look past, oh God. You've looked past all of our shame, oh God. Hallelujah. You've looked past all of our fear, oh God, and you've caused us to rise up, oh God. We thank you, God, that even when we were in sleep states, oh God, and broken states, oh God, that you made all things work together for our good, oh God. We thank you, God, that we no longer look to the right or to the left, oh God, but we look unto you, God, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We bless your name, oh God. How great you are, God. God, you're so great. And you're so good, God. You're so good, God. 
Amen. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you that you allow us to prove that you live through our living. We thank you that you allow us to be who you be through our being, God. We thank you, God, that you made us to be your living sacrifice, God. You've made us and not we ourselves. God, we thank you that we are your people. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that now we are the sons of God. We thank you that now we are the sons of God. We glorify you. We will feed, oh God. 